Hey, this is Josh Fries, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion. You know where you are. Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 310. My name is Brando. Welcome, Mr. Freeze. Or am I lame? Hi there. Am I lame for starting it out like that? Did you get that a lot as a, as a kid, Josh Freeze, you know, the Batman villain, Mr. Freeze? No, you know what? I, I was, you know, I never minded it. You know, I guess it'd be worse if I was the penguin, right? Or something. <laughs> hey, it's the penguin, <laughs> you know? Josh, but Mr. Freeze, yeah, I think it kind of, sounds kind of cool. It I'm is. All right with it. I, I, I thought so. But just, uh, I don't know, sometimes I introduce my guest as Mr. or Miss or whatever, and I'm like, Mr. Freeze. And of course, your brain starts to. As- Goes to Batman. And, sure, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to waste because uh, you're a very busy guy. I mean, you may know that you have 400 albums uh, more than to your name, so we can only talk about yeah. a certain amount. <laughs> during sure. This time. Yeah, we can talk about the five good ones I've played on. Five. <laughs> no way. You have. I'll just say right off the bat. Okay, ten good ones. We don't even. We're not going to even get into it. But I guess I want to say before I get, I. I uh, go off on tangents and your new album and everything. Avril right. Lavigne, I'm telling you, yeah, I, that Let Go was a great album to me growing up. So you know, I've got you know th- this this album that I made that's coming out on October 29th. Mm-hmm. There's you know there's two volumes, right? We got Just a Minute Volume One and Just a Minute Volume Two. Which volume Two will probably come out maybe in January or something. But there's a song on Volume Two, and the title is I Didn't Know I Recorded with Avril is the name of the song. And it's a true story. It's uh, the fact that, you know, she was a new artist with a weird name. And I do tons of sessions. And it was me and a producer. No other musicians in the room. No artists in the room. Just the tracks were basically done on a Pro Tools rig. We knocked out four or five songs in one night. Uh, I wrote down the information to uh, whatever label she was on, Arista or, you know, A&M, whatever the hell it was, got a contact name for who I was going to invoice the next day. And then that was done. And then months and months went by and I did dozens and dozens of more recording sessions. And about a year later, uh, after her record had been out for a while, someone goes, hey, I saw your name on that Avril Lavigne record. I was like, nah, I didn't play on that record. They go, it says you did. I'm like, huh? I don't remember recording with her. At, at, at this point, she was kind of a big star. But when I worked with her with her it was just me and my producer friend cliff magnus who was doing these tracks she was just another nameless faceless new artist that i never had met and never heard of and uh her name kind of went in one ear and out the other right so it's like and there's a lot of those kind of sessions that i'll work on that never see the light of day um so I did it and I kind of just forgot about it, you know? And then, you know, her record started blowing up and people started telling me they were seeing my name on the record. I said, no, I don't think so. And then, then I went and looked at the credits and I went, what? And I saw it said like tracks 
The only thing that made sense to me is when I noticed, I'll look around for other names I recognize, and it said like tracks four, six, 10, and 12 produced by Cliff Magnus. Thanks. My wife brought me a coffee. Isn't that sweet? His bitch brought him coffee. My bitch brought me coffee. (laughs) Well, she said that. I'm repeating. I'm paraphrasing. He sounds really cool when he says it that way. There she is. (laughs) Want to see the poodles? Nice to meet you, Judy. Oh, Judy the poodle. It's Judy and Wanda. We're we're out in the desert right now. We're uh, kind of uh, we're away from our kids for a couple days, uh, having a a quick little adults-only anniversary trip. Oh, congratulations. She, she said that's why our house looks like a wreck. Wait, no, we don't have kids here, so we have no excuse. No excuse. <laughs> but if anybody wants to buy a house out here. Oh, yeah, but if anyone wants to buy a house, contact the call. Okay. <laughs> My wife does real estate. Oh, you got um, it. it. I love it. Anyways, uh, so, yeah, I saw, you know, I, I'm making up the tracks. I forget what the track numbers are. But once again, it said tracks 4, 7, 12, and 15 produced by Cliff Magnus. And I went. That's that session I did with Cliff two years ago, that Thursday or a year ago, that rainy Thursday night of that studio in Burbank. It was just me and him. And it just kind of like, you know, anyways, things I, like that happen all the time where I just kind of like knock something out. I was on a plane. I, I was on a plane once with uh, Melissa Etheridge and we landed at the airport and her drummer had recognized me, the guy that was touring with her. But she came up to me like a baggage claim and she introduced herself. She said, hey, Josh, she goes, I'm Melissa Etheridge. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, you know. And she goes, I want to thank you for playing on my, you know, couple songs on that last album. And I went, yeah, no problem. (laughs) And I'm thinking, what the hell is she talking about? And then afterwards, I went, that's right. My friend Rick Parasher, rest in peace, producer who's no longer around, he, we were doing something else. And at the end of the day at his studio up in Seattle, he goes, Hey, can you play on these two tracks real quick? It's from Melissa Etheridge and I can get you paid on them. And, you know, I just, there's something that's lagging or lacking on them. And I, I, I want to recut the drums. So we did it and we knocked it out and, you know, right after dinner in a couple hours and it was done. And so I kind of forgot because it kind of was such a quick, uh, quick little blip. You know, that I was like, man, I know I've worked with a lot of people. If I can forget that I've worked, I mean, I can, that's why I can forget myself know. forgetting, you know, someone that I've never worked I with before that I've never heard of. You like, to remember. Yeah. yeah. I didn't expect you to remember all 400 or whatever the number is now. I mean, I'm sure you may right, right. look back at your own Wikipedia page and be like, oh, yeah. And the fact that you have so many stories right away, but we got to get to your story. So you answered a couple of them, um, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> which was great. Yeah. Uh, it t- I just listened to your. Your, your album, your whole album, mm-hmm. all 20 tracks, which yeah, of course you takes can do it like that. 20 minutes. It just takes 20 <laughs> minutes. And I was like, oh, just a minute, duh. So they're all a minute, mm-hmm. give or take a few seconds. And you right, know what? Yeah. I, I, and I'm being honest with you, Joshua, which I, I am all the time, is I'm like, okay, one minute songs. How am I going to, like, what is this going to be like? And you know what? That was a fun 20 minutes. That, that really oh, was. Good. It was just, it took me on an adventure. It was fun. Oh, I gotta ask. Is she? Uh, she does she need help right now? Because uh, she's yeah. Getting... She's asking me something real quick. Hold on. What's that, Nicole? No problem. I'm reading Josh's eyes. Like I can't. I was looking for it myself. Couldn't find it. I know. I couldn't find it. It might be in the car. Look in the car. Sorry, she's looking for. I was looking for my other AirPod earlier, and I wasn't able to find it. Anyways, um, oh good. I'm like a drummer. You know I mean? I'm, I'm watching a... your eyes and, and reading the room, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. Uh, okay. Anyways, yeah, you know, it's, it's supposed to kind of feel like that. And I'm glad that it's, you know, it's kind of all over the place. You know, as you can tell, there's like rock and roll songs, there's 
weird kind of quiet instrumental songs. There's songs that aren't even songs. They're just like weird little art pieces, you know, and uh, I had a lot of fun doing them. You know, I think that what, what makes it cool to me is that it was all done from a completely kind of pure, real place in the respect that I kind of just started recording these songs for fun at the beginning of lockdown when everyone was kind of freaking out a bit and uh, not knowing what to do with themselves. And I was just enjoying doing it. I really had no intention of putting them out. I just wanted to, the reason why they're one minute to begin with is like, okay, I'm going to do these short songs. It's not going to be a daunting task to go in and go, God, I got to write a song with intros and bridges and choruses and all this stuff. It's like really uh, uh, very little to commit to. And I was like, I'm going to have fun and I'm going to make some funny little videos on my phone and just put them on Instagram. And that's all I wanted to do, really. But then my friend Stone Gossard, who's kind of doing a reboot to his record label, Loose Groove, called me and Stone said, hey, you know, I'd love to put this stuff out. We should make a record. I was like, well, I wasn't really planning on it, but hell, if you want to, sure, why not? Let's just, let's just do it for the love of it, you know? So originally it was going to be one record with, with 41 songs on it. And then we switched it into... 20 on the first volume and 21 on the second volume and really just to kind of to continue the fun aspect of it and the 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 passion project part of it is just being able to do different artwork for both you know and having fun stuff you know because it was really cool working on the artwork for the vinyl you know and uh anyways yeah we wanted to kind of do it in two pieces just for for the literally for the fun aspect of it really and it is fun and if you're watching on zoom so who is on the album what is this um a toothless woman with rainbows coming out of her eyebrows or well you know what that is that's actually a photograph i took of a doll head that i have at home it's a thing from the late 70s early 80s there was this thing this novelty toy that you could buy and it was called laughing head family and then there was these different things you could get. The one that's on my album covers, there's Laughing Head Granny. Uh-huh. And there's the Laughing Head Yodeler. There's the Laughing Head Chef. And there's all these weird things. But I remember when I was a little kid, this scary looking mask, right? You can hang it on the wall. It's three dimensional. And you put batteries in it. And you pull this little like either handkerchief or thing hanging down from the chin. And the eyes would close up and down, nice. go up and down. Creepy. The tongue would go in and out. It spits water and it laughs like this maniacal, <laughs> really creepy. It goes. <laughs> What's that? Did we or we got online? I thought. I think I bought both of them on eBay. So, anyways, when I was a kid, it freaked me out. I forgot all about it. And then I remember coming up in conversation once with the Devo guys. I don't know, seven eight years ago, and they go, "Remember the Laughing Head Granny?" I was like, "Oh my god, I do remember my family having one of those when I was six or seven. And it was really it was supposed to be fun. It was really kind of scary. So I found I found one on eBay, and I bought a second one. But that's the first one and the best one that I've got. It used to hang in my studio. It still does, but it used to hang in the doorway to my studio. And the, the the last the last tier that I could go to with my kids if they weren't listening and they were disobeying, I'd say, "Hey, if you don't, you know, if you if you don't stop bothering your brother, I'm gonna, you know, there's gonna be no TV." And that wouldn't work. Okay, if you don't stop bothering your brother, you're going to be grounded for the weekend. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, if you don't stop bothering your brother, I'm going to put you in the studio right now, <laughs> laughing head granny, and shut the door for three minutes. Nice. Like, no, not <laughs> Panic would set in, tears. I'm like, okay, That's- okay. Now, I don't want to put you in the studio with laughing head granny either, but just, you know, 
better, you know, get pull it together. Um, well, that's a trick. Geez, I took a photo of that, and then just on a on a uh, app on my iPad, I drew the uh, the colored eyebrows shooting out from from her face. And I sent that to Loose Groove with the in the background. In the bottom left is a photo of my favorite hotel, the Phoenix Hotel in San Francisco. I uh, took a picture of that and sent it to them. And then Regan at Loose Groove kind of mocked up with the yellow and the pink and just put it together. And he said it to me, he said, what do you think? And the, the, the first mock-up, I said, that looks great. Let's move on. It was like, well, what if it was blue and pink? Or what if it was yellow and green i just said screw it let's that looks great let's commit let's move on you know so i, I loved it oh, that was great and same with the, the back and you probably don't have a picture of the back image but the back is a crazy collage of a bunch of different photographs and weird stuff i've done over over the years all right well i'm going to force people to if they're just watching this to go on you know pre-order it and then look at the album and, and look at it that way i can't give them everything but what i do sure. have which is a nice segue into one of your tracks in the album is uh, Vince Neil fighting Nicolas Cage? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Please tell me why you decided to. <laughs> why? Well, do you know the do you know the story behind this? Only like from TMZ. I don't know like the real story. Uh, well, I don't I don't know the exact real story either. But all I do know is that they're like basically day drinking. You know, at the I think it was the I forget how to pronounce it correctly, but the Arias Hotel, the Arias Hotel in Vegas, which is a nice hotel. And I mentioned that because the only thing that I changed in the narrative is I made it all happen at Circus Circus, which is really (laughs) not a nice hotel. I thought it would be funnier if they were hanging out at Circus Circus drinking together. But supposedly, as the story goes, they're they're at the the Aria Hotel or Aria's Hotel and they're in there and they're drunk and some fan won't leave Vince Neil alone trying to get a picture with with them. And he's like, get out of here. And he's not taking the photo. And she gets kind of aggressive. And then he like gets into it with her and like pulls her by the hair, pulls her down or pushes her down or something. And what you're seeing when you go on TMZ and seeing the two of them, it says Nicolas Cage and Vince Neil brawl. But what it is, is them both drunk and Vince... Nicholas Cage is trying to get Vince to kind of get a hold of himself before they both go to jail. And he's got him like in a headlock and he's going, come on, man, you got to stop it. Come on, Vince. Come on. Come on, man. Get it together. Stop. We got to get out of here. You know, so he's kind of like, you know, he's looking out for his bro. Right. But it's really just these two like pathetic, weird, like celebrities, you know. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in a dire situation at 3 p.m. in Las Vegas. That's what's one of the fun thing about, uh, things about your your album because you listen to it and if you're a fan of punk rock, Devo, and I mean it's tip, it's Josh Freeze, it's fun. But you the, the subject matter, yeah, there are ones about quarantine and lockdown, but then you, yeah. you have this, and you were quoted as saying that you almost had uh, two songs about Vince Neil, but you didn't want to do that. Right. Well, there's another song that ended up being called Heavy Metal Car Collection that I like a lot. And uh, the original title, I was working on it for the Vandals. Like, uh, there's probably out of these 20 songs, there's probably three songs on this record, four songs that were started off as demos maybe a year or two ago. Most of the stuff I wrote from the ground up starting uh, last year. But some of the stuff was like, okay, here's a song I wrote with the Vandals that we never did, that we're probably never going to do. So screw it. I'm going to write different lyrics. And I'm just going to record it myself and have it laying around if I ever want to use it. Great. So what that, that, yeah, the heavy metal car collection was originally called Vince Neal's car collection was the name of it. 
And I'd never really finished the lyrics, but I had the music done. And it was kind of like a two and a half, three minute long song. But when I was putting songs together for this record, I was like, oh, I kind of like that song. You know, maybe I can rework it, edit it down to 60 seconds and, uh, you know, change change some of the, uh, the, the words around. So that's what that is. But yeah, then the joke was, you know, maybe I'll make a whole Vince Neil uh, concept album. <laughs> Do it. Top to bottom. Double album, man. Do it, please. Please do it. That would be so fun for a variety of reasons. So you mentioned, yeah. obviously, one of the bands you're famous for, the Vandals. I mean, that's another band I've listened to since I was young. And, you know, I kicked off. Uh, I thought I was just going to, you know, mention Avril Lavigne. I didn't expect a story, and thank you for that. So many oh, yeah. artists that you've worked with. Um, one in particular, and I'm sure you may have recognized the name of the podcast, if I can ask about uh, is Guns N' Roses. You mm. obviously were there at a very integral part of that. And there's, yeah. you know, while you have this new album coming out, you know, there would always be jokes about Guns N' Roses not making new music. <laughs> Gesundheit, bless you. Did, uh, you said bless you, Nicole. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. See? We're, we're, <laughs> we're a team here. We're a team. Bless you again. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe it's my cats that she's smelling or something like that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but this year they actually they released newish songs, and you're somebody who can possibly answer because you were in a, a specific gap of that band that is right. highly questioned. So are you right. familiar with Hard School? The song is now uh, officially released. We're not talking about leaks anymore, uh, which you may have been asked about in previous interviews. So we have actual GNR material. Have you listened to Hard right. School when it was rumored? It could have been Checkmate. It could have been Jackie Chan. You were at a very integral part after Matt Sorum left. So do you know of that you song? You know, the only reason I know about the track Hard School at all is uh, my publishing company emailed me about you know, maybe a week ago, week and a half ago, and said, hey, do you know anything about the song Hard School? Do you have anything to do with the writing of it? because it's coming out or it just came out. We want to know what the splits are. Cause I guess it was done when I was in the studio with them, but we recorded so much material. And after I left, they worked on so much stuff, uh, post me being there. And it was 20 years ago, uh, over 20 years ago now that I was there that there's a few things that I really had a big hand in on the writing, for instance, the title track, Chinese Democracy. I wrote the, the music to it. There was a few other songs that had working titles that never ended up on the Chinese Democracy record, but were laying around. I know at least when we recorded them 20 years ago, I actually liked them a lot. And uh, once again, when I was there, they didn't have any lyrics yet, so they just had these working titles. And uh, and so when Hard School came out and I listened to it, I went, God, maybe that is one of the songs that I wrote that they since, you know, later put lyrics to. Like when I was there in the studio with them, the song Chinese Democracy wasn't called Chinese Democracy yet. I think the working title was Smells Like Josh Spirit because I wrote it and the chords are really simple. It's just like these kind of these three chords over and over and over. And someone at one point goes, this sounds like kind of a cool like Nirvana riff or something. So it was titled Smells Like Josh Spirit, like up on the, the board where we had all the songs we were working on. I still hadn't written lyrics to it yet. And that didn't happen until after I left. Um, so once again, when I went, okay, hard school, let me listen to that. Cause maybe that's what this song turned into or that song turned into. I listened to it. I, I didn't recognize hardly any of it. You know, that being said, maybe I did write something. <laughs> maybe I, I mean, cause once again, it was 22 years ago, but 
there was two or three things that I brought in where I really wrote the majority of the music and I would definitely recognize instantly. As a matter of fact, before the track started playing, I'm like, I wonder if it's going to be this one, this one, or this one. Cause there was a few that were pretty cool that didn't end up getting used. Hmm. But um, that wasn't one of them. But did, did they release more stuff, or just that one track? Absurd. Last week, they um, it was a couple. It was like maybe a month or so ago. They also released Absurd, which was hard. Oh. Uh, excuse me, which was um, Silkworms. So oh yeah, I I didn't have to do with that one. Okay, because I think mm-hmm. that was a like a Pitman. Like one second, sorry. The wife has priority. That's fine with me. See, people ask like, why you know. Uh, some things I don't edit out in Zoom. No, this is can you do it in the other room? The interaction with Josh no, and his wife. I don't take priority over that. Oh, okay. Guns N' Roses doesn't take you know, priority. You know, tell over me that. this: Are you able to, if I take these uh, headphones out because it'll be quiet? My wife's leaving right now. Mm-hmm. Am I able to talk to you without headphones? It'll be okay if it's quiet in the in the in the room. Yeah, I mean, if, are you able to hear me? I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as long as you can hear me. Yeah, let's do that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, because she needs them. Okay, no more uh, interruptions. Oh, all good. I was even t- talking. Oh, now you went away. I went away. I see you. It's all the way up. And even if I was good. At- Sorry, man. All good. I was- it's weird. Before we started, I could hear you fine. And do you not hear me well now? Okay. There you are. Okay, I just had to click a button. Oh. All good. Josh is in. If you're listening, you know, I, I won't edit this out. I think this is real. This is uh, These are takes. Yeah. Leave it all in, man. This is Sports these are session. I, I, <laughs> I think that's rock and roll. And that kind of something you said earlier, just about your album cover, about just get it out. You know, I don't want to mess with it. And sometimes people just think about that in the opposite with Chinese democracy and just constantly. Well, exactly. Exactly. So, I've seen what it's like to double and triple guess yourself to death and spin your wheels and take too long on stuff. And then you start freaking out. You can really start getting in your own head about things. And I think there's a lot to be said said for going with your gut and your initial instinct towards what you like or don't like. And uh, I remember being in the studio years ago with uh, the great record producer, Brendan O'Brien. And I believe it was an Offspring record we were working on in the early 2000s. And I'd cut some drums that afternoon and I was leaving the studio and they were going to do some guitars that evening and there was some guitar amps set up in the live room and there was a bunch of different microphones on each amp, right? Let's say two or three different microphones on each amp. So as I'm getting my laptop or together, finding my keys in the control room and saying bye to everybody, I can hear Brennan and the second engineer at the studio kind of like, he goes, okay, bring up channel 12, bring up the, uh, the, the first microphone, the, the, you know, the 414 on the Marshall cabinet. He brings it up, plays guitar. He goes, God, sounds great to me. Let's just start tracking. They didn't even bother hearing the second or third microphone because it's like, okay, the second microphone might've sounded really great. The third microphone might've sounded really great. Maybe not as good. But the first microphone sounded awesome. And Brennan's like, what else? I don't need anything else. So maybe we could make it 1% better. It sounds fucking great. Let's move on, you know? And there's something to be said for being able to do that and being able to commit and press forward, you know, and 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 not get caught up in the technicality uh, end of things. And, uh, and all of a sudden it's going to start stifling uh, 
whatever creative flow that you've got going at the time, you know? And I've watched that not just with the Guns N' Roses situation, but with a lot of bands where I'll be at the studio where you start to uh, double and triple guess yourself and then you start doubting yourself and then it becomes this weird cycle, you know? Um, Also, at the same time, you've got to put in the work and you don't want to just like, crap it out and say screw it let's move on but it's for balance. me it's like when i saw the album cover i'm like okay i like that album cover you know and i can sit here and go back and forth with them on different shades of yellow and what if it makes the the title just a minute pop a little it's like it looks great it's fine i think it looks cool uh let's let's move on to the next thing you know and that's something i just kind of learned over time and is really helpful you know okay yeah, I, I understand that. And I guess that kind of re- parlays into, and if you have to, and I know, uh, I, I, by the way, I have no problem with your interruptions. Your wife has precedence over me. But if I know you have another interview, but, but I want to keep you here forever. So if you have to give me, you know, like a one two-minute warning or something like that, by the way. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So just with that then, and I don't like calling you a journeyman drummer because you have just been so iconic in every band that you've been in. So when it came to Guns N' Roses, was there ever a point where, like, I want to ride this for a while? And then with the recording of Chinese Democracy and seeing how long that was taking, is that, is that why you decided to, to leave and, and just you didn't want to yeah. be held down? I mean, I will say this. I will say that, you know, Axl Rose being as intriguing and controversial as he's been in the past uh, as a entity and a rock star everyone always wants to you know man tell me some crazy Axl Rose stories and I've said it a trillion times before but it's just the truth the time I spent with him he was generous he was cool he was likable uh I've never had any problem and I don't have any funny story to tell you other than I got along great with him and it was I was kind of sad to leave because most people take it personally if you quit their band or if you leave the situation and uh i don't know how personally he took it or not but i was hoping that he wouldn't because i'd like the guy and i've only seen him once since then i ran into him during coachella about four or five five years ago maybe and he was super cool he was great and and we had a laugh and it was really nice to see him but uh but you know for me the two years i spent in the studio with them I had a two-year contract, and when it was up, I was able to kind of like re-examine it and renew it or not. And I just didn't see them leaving that studio anytime soon. And I was kind of going, man, am I going to sit here for another two years in this control room in the studio while they like fidget with stuff? I don't know if I want to spend another two years of my life doing this, you know? At, At the same time, on the weekends... I'd been kind of messing around with Billy Howardell and Maynard James Keenan and starting a perfect circle. And that was like a, that was like a tangible, real thing. Like, Hey, we're going to make a record and we're going to get a deal. We're going to leave on tour in a couple months or next month or whatever it was. Like we're going to book shows. Let's go. And I was like, okay, this is like a regular thing. This isn't being isolated up, you know, in, uh, in some ivory tower somewhere away from the rest of the world in a weird bubble, which I felt like kind of Guns N' Roses was. I mean, that being said too, there's a lot of pressure on Axel and he was kind of doing it without his regular band for the first time ever. So I think that was uh, unnerving probably for him and, and a little bit scary, you know, but anyways, it was, it was, uh, 
it was something that I just, I, I enjoyed the time I spent down there, but I didn't want to sit around anymore. And that's kind of what it was looking like was going to happen. And, and they did kind of not sit around, but they spent a lot more time on the record still after I left. And I was glad that I made that record with a perfect circle and went out on tour and we started that, you know, that was a little bit more of a real band to me and something that I was really a part of from the ground up rather than being, the third or fourth drummer in line in a project. You know what I mean? I do. I do. <laughs> and the stories I get, because we spoke a bit off air, I'm just not that guy to ask about what's Axl Rose really like? What did he do? Every person I've had on here, including former managers, love the guy. It's always it's always this, this media, I like to think me excluded, has this perception of him that doesn't seem to be accurate. So... It's those years where he was in public that you worked with him and people think that he wasn't doing anything. I mean, there's so many reasons why it was delayed that you don't even know all of them and you were there. So right. I, I think it's more about people are hungry about for that time because when we get a song like Chinese Democracy or uh, Smells Like Josh or what, what was it? The, uh, smells Like Josh Spirit. Smells Like Josh Spirit because it's the music is fantastic. So when we get Hard School... And we get absurd. It's like it's the diehards like me, the nerds like me who have heard leaks. It's like finally the rest of the world gets to enjoy this amazing music. So I think that's some of the frustration among fans is just that we want to hear it. You know, it's a it's you're making music. You're I think that's all. I mean, no, there's a lot of other variables, uh, and some fans do get a little overzealous. I.e., the, the fan that really wanted a picture with Vince Neil. Some some fans need to calm down a little bit. Right. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything like maybe the working titles of the songs that you would recognize if you did hear them on the radio? You know what? I probably, I, I don't know why there would be a problem, but I probably shouldn't say them. I don't, I don't know legally if there's any Fair problem enough. with that. Fair enough. You know? So I always, you know, Axel was a pretty secretive guy about things like that. And so on one hand, it's like, who cares? I'm not like, giving out some WikiLeaks thing that's going to affect the government or our, our day-to-day lives. It's like, mm-hmm. I could be giving it way too much credence, but, uh, but yeah, I guess I'd rather not. Um, you know, I respect that. No worries. Yeah. No, no, I, yeah. I, I totally get it. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask this as we kind of circle back almost a pun, a perfect circle back, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's, this is why I got paid, uh, nothing. Uh, I, I want, there's so many questions uh, for you and uh, that the GNR stuff gets a credit to all my listeners. So thank you for helping me, you know, all the questions and people excited to hear from you. But this is mm-hmm. a nice uh, segue back to everything. This is from Mike uh, Laser Machine on Twitter. As you are regarded as one of the top drummers in the world, what do you think makes you unique? You know, a highly sought after musician. Um, do you have top moments? I guess there's a couple questions in there. You know, do you have uh, top moments, which I guess you can get to, but what do you think makes you unique? Why do you, why are you on all these albums, some of which you don't even remember? And it's all across all genres. It's not even like you're just good at one thing. I think that, I mean, I think it's a combination of things and maybe some of it I won't be able to really put my finger on, but I think I, I can sometimes bridge an interesting area as far as I grew up first playing along to rock and roll records and kind of self-taught 
then I really did study and I took lessons and I really got into kind of the intricate aspect and the complicated aspect of uh, drumming and technique um, and reading music. And I went through my jazz fusion phase and then I came back around to rock and roll. But now it was more, I was more into punk rock, you know, as a mid to late teen and also started paying less attention to really good drummers necessarily and just more attention to, I shouldn't say really good drummers. I mean, like, uh, uh, like prog, prog drummers or, uh, you know, fancy show off drumming. I got less into that and more into songwriting. I became a songwriter and I became, uh, more interested in, 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 in just the process of writing and producing music and, uh, and the less is more aspect of what makes great drummers that, that play simple really great. I always say, you know, something can be really simple, but that doesn't make it easy, you know? And, you know, the other thing I can kind of compare it to is like, I'm going, why do I sometimes like really simple stuff done really well? It's like, well, would you rather go to a restaurant and have some dish that's got 35 ingredients in it or do you just want the world's greatest cheeseburger? You know what I mean? I do. I kind of would rather have the world's greatest cheeseburger than some convoluted dish. You don't know what you're, you know, and as far as music and drummers, that's kind of how I feel now. It's like, I like hearing the really simple stuff, but done really well. You know, that's something I can relate to. And, uh, and I, once again, though, going back to the fact that I don't know a lot of, drummers that might be versed at all in jazz that appreciate punk rock music and vice versa. I don't know a lot of punk rock drummers that would care about uh, fusion music or jazz or stuff like that. Uh, so to kind of be able to, not that I'm involved in the jazz fusion world at all, I'm, I'm really not, but just as far as being able to be, I think a sensitive drummer and, and, uh, play more singer songwriting stuff, but then also be able to play really aggressive and know when to turn each mode on and to kind of feel out other musicians and, and adapt to my surroundings quickly. Uh, I'm a quick study, but I also really do my homework. Like I'll be listening to this stuff. My kids will go, why are you listening to this song still? Don't you know the song? Like some of them may be going to go out and play live with somebody. Right. I'll tell them, I'm saying, listen, we're not rehearsing or we're doing very little rehearsal. And I could show up and stumble around a little bit, but I would rather show up and know everything no matter what. And then the people that have hired me go, man, this is great. I never have to worry about free showing up. And well, I knew that one song, but these two songs, I didn't really listen to it in that time. No one wants to hear that. They just want to show up and go, God, this guy learned everything. And I, I don't have a, a, a worry in the world now about how the show's going to go. I like being able to uh, give that to people, you know, that hire me and that I work with. Just that that security factor and and dependability thing to what I bring as a musician, as a drummer, and why they're hiring me, you know. And I think that's one reason why I work as much as I do, you know. Uh, being dependable, getting along with others, delivering. You can't just, you know, some people go. You know, is you know, I've even at 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 its worst, I've heard people, you know, haters go, 
oh, yeah, Josh is, you know, he's got great stories and, you know, he's cool to be around. So that's why it works. It's like, well, you got to, you can't suck. You can't have good stories and suck. That's not going to work for Sting. And that's not going to work for Trent Reznor. And that's going to work for Axl Rose. Or Frank, go to the, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm worried, you know, I'm kind of, I, I find myself having to defend myself because I'll hear that sometimes, you know, it's like, who says no, that? I think, I think you've got to have both. You got to be a good hang and you've got to know your shit. No, that just means you would be a good podcast host. I mean, like, how, why would people hire? <laughs> that, that that might be the, one of the, the worst takes from a troll I've ever heard, and that's saying something, you know. You know, but what whatever. It, it also makes you uh, a good parent. Honestly, I think that's a great uh, example showing your kids. You know. Oh yeah, all the time. I'll I'll tell them, and I use that word homework all the time. I'll be in the car and they go, or. Or I'll explain to them. I'll say, you know what? Hear the stuff I'm listening to. They'll go, yeah. I go, I'm not playing this for another two weeks or three weeks. But instead of listening to it over and over and over the night before, which sometimes I do. It happens. Uh, <laughs> I go, I'm going to listen to a little bit each day. And you know that test that you're studying for? Instead of just cramming for it, you know, in a panic the night before, just do it a little bit each day, and then you've got nothing to worry about when when game day arrives, you know, or when the test, you know, happens. You're going to be cool. And so it's like I'm all about preparation, you know. That's that's I think that's that's awesome. So let me yeah. uh, ask, and as I do, my, have to, I do have to go in a minute because my thing's at 11:45. That's which is in, that's cool. My my girl just walked in, and we're going to go look at a wedding venue. So I I. You know, oh, nice. Just like okay. with you, women have priorities. So I, I'll just ask one quick question then regarding your kids. Is baby's first beard about them? It's not. It's about it's about my beard that I grew last year during uh, <laughs> okay. lockdown. I've never had a beard before. Oh, no? You're not like me? Okay. <laughs> Actually, I made with a friend of mine a great video that I'm going to put out in about a week. It's That's one of my favorite tracks on the record because it's just – it's a cross between Black Flag and the Butthole Surfers, and yeah. it's just like fucked up and weird and gnarly and scary sounding and ugly. I love that track. The, like you I know? said, it's a real fun 20 minutes. And you mentioned earlier there's going to be a volume two. Honestly, I hope it keeps going like Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, Dude, volume two, I can't wait. There's a song I can't wait to make a video for, and the song's called Somehow I Like Lou Reed is the <laughs> name of the song. And somehow I like Lou Reed. It's, it's an awesome song. I'm proud of it. And I just can't wait to make the video. The video is going to be hilarious. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, Just a Minute Volume 1 is uh is coming out. What, it's October 29th? Yes, sir. Yeah, on uh, Loose Groove <laughs> Records. So any idea when Volume 2? Maybe We'll focus on Volume 1. We'll hopefully have you back. Yeah, I'm, hoping, maybe, I'm hoping in January, maybe. You know? Okay. Well, I hope to speak with you again. And uh, I can't wait to hear Volume 2 regardless. Uh, Josh. Awesome. You were so much fun. Um, I, I hope, also hope your Thank kids you. have your va- your fashion sense. We'll talk about your Lana Del Rey pajamas that you're wearing right now uh, <laughs> another time. And uh, you guys have yourself a great day. Cool. Thanks a lot. We could have kept going. You know that. But he is a busy dude. He has an album to promote. I'm glad I got it, Josh, for, for that long. You know, we're friendly now. I'm not going to call him Mr. Freeze. I don't know why I started off the interview with Mr. Freeze and Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Some of you were like, he's asking about Avril. Ask him about art school. Well, we did. And he doesn't really remember it. It doesn't seem like it. And I totally respect the decision not to talk about the the rumored names. Because then you, you fall in love with a rumored name. 
like the blues, is Street of Dreams. But wow, Chinese democracy. That's a story. Hmm. So I hope we get Josh on again. Really, really cool. And thank you to all of you. So many. I couldn't get to all the the names uh, because so many of you asked just, you know, ask about hard school, that time period. You know, it's I'd be shouting out 30 of you uh, at some point. But if you go on, on Twitter and Facebook, you shut yourselves out uh, by commenting on. Um, and that's how the conversation continues. I tell you, follow on Facebook. Follow on on, on uh, the new podcast, at the AFD Podcast. And that's how I know what questions you want me to ask my guest. I mean, I knew I was going to ask him GNR questions, but you know what I mean. Uh, so what is the come on the AFD show? I really don't know. Uh, right now, I'm focused on looking at this wedding venue. We'll see if it works out. Uh, right now, I'll, I'll keep you updated because it's called, I think, the Velvet Lounge. So maybe we'll get a Velvet Revolver cover band to play our wedding. Probably not. They probably would have to learn. Uh, is there a Velvet Revolver cover band? And if so, would they learn Dave Matthews for her? These are things. These are questions that nobody wants to answer. Anyway, so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Again, follow on social media. That's how you keep up to date with everything. That's how you can participate in future episodes. And uh, and follow on uh, YouTube. Please follow and subscribe. That's how. And it took some. Um, I don't know. Little little tweaking to get Josh to turn on the video. He's like, ah, it's boring. Nobody wants to see me. I'm like, everyone wants to see you. Ah, you convinced me. So you get to see Josh in his Alana Del Rey t-shirt if you follow and subscribe to Appetite for Distortion on YouTube. So that does it, officially. Uh, For when you get to see the next episode, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy or uh, smells like Josh's spirit. I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.